Good morning, church. Uh, I wanted to mention, we always start off with a prayer, and we want to pray for the larger kingdom here in Kerrville. Sometimes we pray for another church. Oftentimes we do. Today what I'd like to do is mention that there's going to be a uh, gathering of believers at the courthouse today at 5 o'clock to pray for students before they start school. And uh, if you'd like to go to that, you are more than welcome to come and pray over students for their safety, for their spiritual growth, all of that that happens. So uh, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer, and then we'll uh, get into our lesson. Lord, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for uh, the young people in this church. We thank you for uh, our students. We thank you for our new babies. We thank you for the way that you uh, continue to inject new life into this church. And Lord, we know that life comes from you, and it is life everlasting, and we hang on to that. And that is our goal more than anything. We want our children to know what it means to walk in the truth of what you say. We want them to live their life in this world that is still broken in so many ways, knowing exactly who they are, who they belong to, uh, what their worth is, and that it's all on what you say. We want our uh, young people to grow up believing what you say about them before they believe what the rest of the world says about them, that it is not based in what they accomplish, and it's not based in what other people say. It's not based in the number of likes or the accomplishments that they have. Instead, it is based on a God who made them, who loves them, who said that they were worth dying for, and who redeemed us all. Lord, we do ask that you be with uh, all those who gather together uh, today at the courthouse to pray. Let that word uh, come from all those who call you Lord and gather together and in unity, Lord, we ask you to bless them as we start this school year. Make that a powerful time of your believers coming together, uh, lifting up names and lifting up schools before you. And Lord, we know that it, uh, it helps fulfill what you've desired for us, is for us to be one in the same way that you and your son were one. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, so... Um, I don't know uh, which one I'm not going to forgive about Clark is either to crack about John or the fact that he got y'all wound up about being hungry and then left. <laughs> Thanks for that, man. Appreciate that. Uh, there's nothing like telling you to start thinking about food and everything, and then he leaves and leaves me up here to do this at this point. Uh, but w don't worry, we, we've got something especially for our educators that we want to say today. And it's not just for our educators, it's for all of us. But let me tell you why it's important for us to stop and do this. Uh, it, as family, it is really vital for us to take these moments and stop and bless one another. I, recently, when we were on vacation, my wife and I, we went up with family after the wedding, and then we went up into the mountains. And I was there with, uh, with my folks and my sisters and all of their family, together. And, and my folks started something a long time ago that I'm very grateful for. And what that is, is they take a time and they mark and we give a blessing to somebody in the family. When you become 16, when you become 40, when you turn 60, and when you turn 80, you get a blessing. And what happens is we stop wherever we are. We find a way to get together. And we're all the way from North Carolina to Colorado to all over the place. But we find a time to get together and we say, this is the time where we're going to stop and we're going to give you a blessing, and we're going to remind you who you are. And we're going to remind you whose you are. And we're going to remind you about the role that you have in God's kingdom. And let me tell you, it's such a powerful thing. I'm so thankful that my parents started that. You know, it was really interesting. When they turned 60, we started it with them, and they were like, everybody needs this. And the neat thing is they have grandkids and great-grandkids now who don't know anything different, except for the fact that what we do is we bless each other. 
we stop and we say the things that matter. I want to encourage you in some way as part of your family, find ways to do this. It doesn't have to be the way we're doing it. Find ways to stop and talk about the things that matter, the spiritual things. Make sure to remind people who they are and the truth about their life in Christ because it's a powerful thing. And that's what we're doing today. As a church family, we're doing the same thing that you can do in your family. We're stopping today and we're marking a moment. And we're going, it's important for us to stop and say, do you understand that you're God's? Do you understand that he's got a plan for you? Do you understand how important it is that you walk in the truth? And so I'm thrilled that we get to do this. I want you to know, if you're not an educator and you don't have kids in school or anything with you today, your words of encouragement and the fact that we stop and pray over folks is so powerful that it is something we must do, is to make sure that we give this blessing to one another. So I'm thankful to be part of a church family that does that. And I want to talk to you about an example of that in the book of John. If you want to turn over to chapter 20, I want to talk to you about Jesus stopping and taking his people and going, I'm going to bless you, and then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you. And that's what we're doing. We're sending these kindergartners out into the world. I mean, my goodness, we're sending Maisie into the world, right? Bless her heart. She left the, the uh, comfort and the perfection of mama's womb to enter into this world, and we want her to go understanding who she is in the world uh, that, that God has made and in his kingdom. But we're sending kindergartners out. We're sending elementary, middle school, high school. We're sending educators out in every way, and we're sending you out. And what we want to do is talk for just a minute about the way that Jesus sent his people out and what it means. So we're going to be in John 20, and I'm going to read for you uh, verses 19 through 22 first. This is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is after Mary's gone to the tomb and found out that Jesus is gone. And Peter has gone, and John has gone, and they realize that he's not there. And then this is what happens on that same day. Verses 19 through 22. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's this powerful moment that goes on because what you have is Jesus passing this torch. He's saying, the Lord has sent me and I've come into this world and now I'm sending you in the same way. And you need to understand, we want in particular for all of you to understand this, and boy, am I really talking to our teachers and our educators that are going out right now, is that you have this message to go into the world. We all do. We have this message. And you need to know, this being sent is not just a normal way of being sent, like, hey, carry this message and go deliver it to somebody. You need to know a carrier in that way, just a messenger, can be anyone. A messenger can be anyone. I can give this to you, and you can take it and go give it to him, and it doesn't matter. You're not connected to the message. You don't necessarily uh, have any sort of um, interest in the message. It's just something that you take and you deliver. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. He actually uses a word that's more like delegate. I'm making you a delegate. And a delegate is something different. It's like you're an official representative of this message. I am giving you something that matters, and I'm making you an official representative to carry this message. And you're not just to carry it and deliver it. You're supposed to embody it. 
You're supposed to live it out in a way, in the same way that Jesus did when he came with his message. Jesus didn't come around and just say these things. Jesus did these things. He embodied the message and the good news. And now he's passing that on to us. And we have that ability to do that because it's not just that he's saying, hey, I want you to go tell them what I did. He goes, I want you to go do what I did. I want you to embody this. I want this to be part of who you are. I want people to be able to see this in you as you go and you do this. And it's really amazing because you have the resurrected Lord giving the biggest assignment in the world. And this is, you know, John's kind of idea of how he's sharing the Great Commission. You know, the other three Gospels talk about the Great Commission and the way that Jesus gave this, going to all the world and preach the Gospel, make disciples. This is John's version of this. As he said that Jesus came and then he sent them and that was uh, the way that he approached them in that room. Is now I'm sending you. And then he leaves. And it's such a powerful message that you want to know what they did? Here's what they did just a few verses later in verse 26 in John 20. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and mark, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered them, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. So Jesus comes, presents himself, gives them peace, gives them his spirit. And eight days later, they still are inside with the door locked. That's what happened. I can only imagine what this must have been like is after Jesus' first visit. He comes in, peace be with you, which he says twice because evidently they're having a hard time having some peace seeing a man who is dead walking around again. They believe because most of them have seen him before outside of Thomas who's having a hard time, but they had seen him and they believe. But I imagine after this first visit, Jesus comes, he says these things, and then he leaves. And all that's left is some regular guys looking around at one another and going, he sends us, but now he's gone. The one who's all-powerful, the one who's all-knowing, the one who was resurrected from the dead, God in the flesh, he's gone. And now all that's left is us regular guys, fishermen, tax collectors, just regular guys. And we've never done this without him. We've never gone out and had to share this message without him. And now he's leaving. And so frankly, what they end up doing is staying there and hiding. The door is still locked. And I think the biggest issue with that that they had was that they spent some time focusing on themselves, their shortcomings, maybe their weaknesses, Maybe they're ordinary personalities and their ordinary giftings instead of spending time on what he did and how powerful he is. I can imagine that because it's pretty easy once he leaves to look around and go, man, I don't know that we can do this. I don't know how in the world that we can do this. And when we have our eyes on ourselves and we sit here today and we go, we're supposed to go out and change the world and make disciples and help with this ministry of reconciliation that we just read together, how in the world are we going to do this? I'm a mess. I have a hard time getting all my own stuff together. How in the world am I supposed to be part of changing this world? 
And we can have great faith in him, but still when we look at ourselves go, I am woefully inadequate to be able to do what Jesus is sending us out to do. And you realize that the message that they have and that we have is not based on what we can do, but it's based on what's been done in us. That's why we should have confidence and be able to do this. Here's just real quick, I wanted to mention some things about what happened. So Jesus came, and he talked to them, and then he left. And they're still locked in there. And I think the reason is because they forgot what had been given to them. They had something that was given to them. Number one, it's his peace. He comes in, and he says it twice the first visit, and he says it again the third visit. And my goodness, do we need peace. Boy, we live in a world right now where there's so much anxiety, there's so much stress. Everybody's dealing with this in so many ways. And for me to come in here as a preacher and pile on you that you're supposed to be sent and go out and take this message of reconciliation to the world that it changes can make you just feel more anxious. Let me tell you, first of all, you need to know you have the peace of Christ. He's given it to you. That's one of the things he says. It's not just any peace. He goes, I give you my peace. Fear not. Do not be afraid. I give you my peace. You need not fear. You need not panic. You don't need to worry about whether or not you're up to this. I've given you my peace. Here's the second thing that he gave. He gave his spirit. He says, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. And then it, there's this awesome phrase where it says, and then he breathed on them. And you need to know this goes right back to Genesis 2 when what happened was God created man. And it says that what he did with Adam was that he made Adam and he breathed into him the breath of life. And that's what gave him this life. And now what you have is Jesus coming in and breathing in them and going, I'm giving you new life. This is your new life. This is an eternal life. This could only be given to you by one who has gone to the cross and has died and been resurrected again. What I give you and breathe into you now is a spiritual, eternal life. And they had that. And I think it was hard for them to remember. And then finally, here's something else that Jesus gave to them as he left. He gave them the presence of a living God. And this is the biggest part of everything. What they had and what we have is a living God, one who is alive, one who went to the cross and died, but who is alive now. The only one that can give you peace, the only one that can give you the Holy Spirit, the only one that can send you is a God who's alive. And what we have is a God who's alive. And that's what he gave them. And I think it was hard for them to recognize that, and it was hard for them to know how they've been changed but that's all of the things that were given to them in that way. See, it's not what you have. It's what's been given to you by a resurrected Jesus. It's not about what we can do. It's about what's been done in us and to us. It's not what you know, but it's who you know, and it's who knows you that allows you to be sent in this way. And you're not being sent in your own power. Don't worry about that. He didn't say, I'm sending you out in your power to do this. He goes, I'm sending you out in my power. You need not worry. It is my power you will rely on. It is my power that motivates you. This ministry of reconciliation that he gives to us is because of what he's done, not because of what we've done. Isn't that great? That is so freeing. That takes so much pressure off. That relieves me in so many ways. 
to go, this ministry that I have to go out and to be sent is not dependent on me. It's dependent on the one who's all-powerful, who's already defeated death, who has already forgiven me. He says, because you've experienced this resurrection, and I'll tell you, I don't think there's any more powerful words that we can say as Christians is to be able to say, I have encountered the resurrected Christ. There's nothing more powerful. I have encountered the resurrected Christ, and I am changed. More than anything, this is what we get sent to say. You need to know, I've seen a resurrected Jesus, and I'm different. And you can say it. You want to know why? Because when he drew you into him in baptism, you shared with him in his death and in his burial and in his resurrection. And you had new life breathed into you. And you are not what you were. You are different now. And the fact that you are different allows you to be able to go into the world and say, I have had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. I was in darkness. I was lost. I was hiding behind a locked door, but now I have been called out into his glorious light. I have been buried with him in baptism. I've shared in his death, and I have new life, eternal life, that has been breathed into me, and I will never be the same. That is what he sends us with. That is what we have been given. We don't make this up on our own. We don't have to come up with the perfect plan. Because you have experienced the resurrection, you are being sent out. We're sending you out to do for others what Christ has done for you. What you have received, you can now pass on. You can care for the hurting. You can love the outcast. You can sacrifice for those that are lost. You can wash the feet of your enemy. You can show mercy and you can show love and you can show forgiveness with others because it has been shown to you. You have received it. It has been given to you. And now you carry that message. Every one of you has been uniquely called. Every one of you has been gifted and every one of you has been blessed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what makes us the church. You've been sent out And you are uniquely positioned to reach people. You are going to places I can never go. I know I'm your minister. I can't reach people you reach. I spend too much time up here at a church with Christian people. Right? I have to spend, be very purposeful to go out. But God is placing you in spots where you will be able to reach people that we cannot reach, that only you can reach. This week, I I had a conversation with a friend who owns his own business who was talking about, I'm so thankful God placed me in this place because I have an employee who's struggling, who's hurt, who's sick, who's even dealing with an addiction. He's scared to death that he's going to get fired, and I get to go, I'm not going to cast you out. You need to know you have a place here. He has the ability to do that because he remembers this is the way God treated me. You've been uniquely placed as the boss and the owner of that company to be able to do that. You've been uniquely placed as well. Teachers, educators, let me tell you, we are in this spot where you are about to walk into it, and we want to bless you. So if I can, I'd like to ask, if you are a teacher, an administrator, coach, school nurse, counselor, custodian, or a parent who teaches at home, would you please stand? First of all, we are thankful for you, and we do. We send you out 
as Jesus sent out his disciples, we send you out now. You need not fear that you are not powerful enough, that you are not smart enough, or that you are not brave enough, or whether or not you have a foolproof plan already in place for Monday morning. You are witnesses to the resurrected Christ who has brought you from darkness into his glorious light. That's who you are. You have a new life, an eternal breath that's been breathed in you by the resurrected Christ. It is his power. It is his character that you can rely on because it is his power and his character that changes lives, not yours. You rely on him, but you carry it with you. It has changed your life, and because of that, we are sending you out. And the Father sends his spirit with you to empower you and to lead you. We're going to pray now. If you are near one of these folks, and you have the ability to just reach out, put a hand on their shoulder, I encourage you to do that right now. Let's pray. Holy God, as we send out these educators who work in so many different ways, Lord, we ask that you would give them your Holy Spirit to guide them. Remind them that it has been given to them. They have been breathed with new, eternal, spiritual life. And they have that. Lord, we believe that you have given them students, fellow co-workers, to love in ways that you have loved us. Lord, we know that being an educator these days is so much more than just being in charge of teaching a lesson. So many ways they're in charge of students' safety, for their emotional needs, for their physical needs, even their spiritual needs. They oftentimes must become mental health worker, social worker, security guard. They have to learn to give wound care at a school. And it breaks our heart they have to know that. They have to have plans for how to get their kids to safety if someone who desires evil comes to them. And it breaks our heart they have to know that. But they have walked in to this part of the mission field ready to do what you have called them to do, Lord. And so we ask for strength for them. They have to have conflict management skills when they have to deal with parents who are upset. They have to have energy and uh, the patience to do the paperwork. They have to be ready to be called on to be whatever these students and those around them need. And so, Lord, we ask that you give them the strength to be able to do that. Lord, we know that many students that come to them will be hurting and they will come with trauma. And that oftentimes these educators, because of their compassion and love, they catch that trauma. It hits them and they carry it home with them. And they have sleepless nights because of their worry and their concern for those that have been entrusted to them during the day. And so, Lord, we ask that you would protect their hearts. Protect their hearts, protect their soul, give them your peace, keep the evil one away from them. Lord, we ask that you would give them a love for their students and their coworkers because of the love that they have received from you. Lord, we ask that you would give them a, jo a joy in their job, knowing the impact that they can have on a student to provide a safe place for them to be able to spend the day and to have someone who will love them and will see them as valuable because they were made in your image. 
Lord, give them patience when they deal with those that are stressed and anxious, whether it be students or parents. Lord, give them your peace on the nights when they're overwhelmed with paperwork and struggling to find a way to get the message that they have to their students. And Lord, most of all, give them protection from the evil one. Give them protection from those that would seek to steal their joy and to steal um, their commitment to where you have placed them. Lord, we ask that you fill them with confidence in you because you have placed in them, you have placed them in a position of great influence. We ask that you let them be the light and the salt in their world. We know that you have given them everything they, they need to be able to have an impact on those around them. Send them out knowing that you walk with them and that they can rely on you. They have been reconciled and now they carry this ministry of reconciliation to others. For Kerrville ISD, for Ingram ISD, for Medina ISD, for those that homeschool, for all those around, Lord, we ask your blessing and we ask your protection. And it's in the name of Jesus, the resurrected Lord that we have encountered, that we pray this. Amen.